Coulter Nuwana, SkylineSportsMT.com, coming to you back porch style here. Uh, as we're into the height of summer, we're sitting here uh, in our humble abode. I guess o- only mine now. We, we got news for you. Uh, Andrew Houghton, contributing uh, writer and podcaster and uh, all different things here at Skyline Sports. One of our rider dies here at Skyline. He uh, has lived with uh, me here in Missoula for the last couple of years and, uh, we part ways. There's, there's, you know, things we got to do life, things we got to conquer. It's all good. So here we are, uh, his first official night being a guest, I guess, <laughs> here on, uh, on the back porch. We're hoping to do this as often as possible here throughout the summer. And if the weather's like this, we'll certainly take it. This big sky breakdown, which is presented by Blackfoot communications, Town Pump and Opportunity Bank. Appreciate all three of those fine sponsors for bringing you some summer content. Also appreciate the Hype House for their continued support of us here at the Big Sky Breakdown and on Nuanas Now. Got a lot of people around the community that are into this, and uh, we couldn't do it without them. But we got we got some a lot of summer content, in fact, coming up, and uh, so we'll tease that throughout the pod and throughout the uh, the rest of the year, throughout the rest of the next couple of months. We have been uh, in direct partnership with ESPN MT here for the last five years. For those that are unfamiliar, have a daily radio show, Nuanas Now, from 4 to 6 p.m. each weekday uh, on ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Uh, on May 17th, so a couple weeks ago, we. Uh, I guess about three weeks ago. We every Wednesday we have our ESPN roundtable, which is our long form interview for the week, and uh, we replay it on Thursdays on ESPN Radio and around Western Montana as well. But on May seventeenth, our ESPN roundtable was given grades to the Grizz and the Bobcats for each and every sport uh, that they offer within their Division One programs. The one sport we left out was football because we figured we could make a whole segment about it, and. Uh, We'll be, we'll be replaying this on ESPN Radio likely as well. Uh, but the only uh, sport we didn't give grades to was the football teams for both the Bobcats and the Grizzlies. Uh, so let's just dive right in. We're just going to give the overall grade, and then we'll hash it out through all the elements within the season. Uh, dealer's choice, what do you think? Should we start with the Cats? Should we start with the Grizz? Who should we start with? We should start with the Cats. Okay, we'll start with the Cats. Uh, I think that that's probably the linear or descending, whichever way you want to go, because I, th- I think we'll both agree that the Cats are going to get an overall higher letter grade than the Grizz. I, that makes sense. The Cats were undefeated in Big Sky Conference play. Uh, they were a seed in the FCS playoffs. They advanced to the Final Four of the FCS playoffs for the third uh, fall season in a row, uh, and they destroyed the Grizz in the rivalry game in Bozeman uh, in an afternoon after so much momentum was built for their program and their university with college game day being there in Bozeman, the Grizz uh, actually ascended to higher heights than the Cats uh, during the regular season. They were the number two ranked team in the country about five weeks into the year. Uh, and then a catastrophe. The, the Grizz fell apart. They lost three games in a row. Uh, they were able to rally for a couple early November wins, but then got smacked in Bozeman, and they limped into the playoffs with an 8-5 record. Uh, they were able to rally for a uh, victory over southeastern Missouri, 
Uh, but then they go to Fargo, and uh, they get a chance to see the elephant. They went toe-to-toe with North Dakota State for a half, but then got steamrolled in the second half. And uh, the Grizz season that was uh, filled with so much promise uh, last summer ended with an 8-5 and five record. So uh, we'll start with the Cats. Uh, your letter grade for uh, Bobcat football last year. I thought about qualifying this. Uh, I thought about putting a, a minus on this. I'm higher on the Cats now. Looking back at it, I think I'm higher on the Cats and I'm lower on the Grizz than I thought I was going to be at the end of the season. If you'd asked me this question at the end of the season, I think it's just a, a straight A for the Cats. I think you don't have to put them. I mean, there are reasons you could argue for to make it an A minus. There are reasons you could argue for to make it lower than that. I think it's just I think it's just straight A. I agree. You have to give them an A. I mean, Montana State went through a tumultuous time. Uh, with the pandemic and then Jeff Choate subsequently leaving, Brent Vegan coming in to take over as the head coach. Uh, Brent Vegan came in with a ton of pressure on him with a star-studded roster led by multiple NFL draft picks like Troy Anderson and Daniel Hardy, plus other NFL players like Lance McCutcheon and uh, Trey Webb, uh, you know, and on down the line. And uh, Then the Cats make a run all the way to the national championship, and there was so much of a, of a sort of a narrative and a storybook within that first Brent Vegan season. But then to lose all those guys and have there be all these questions, where do you go after the greatest one of the great classes in school history? Where do you go after you know the Paul Bunyan of the Big Sky Conference graduates and Troy Anderson is a second round draft pick? To answer that resoundingly. By going undefeated in league play, winning the first Big Sky Championship in a decade at your school, and completely massacring your rival, and your only real loss to an FCS team coming to the defend to the, to the team that won the national championship, it's impossible to say that's not an A. I mean, they had unbelievably high expectations, and they they exceeded those expectations, and they also did it in the face of so much loss. Yeah, I mean, your base grade for a team that went 12-2 and two and won the conference championship is like, it's an A. But when you're thinking about it, like, I think all of the little, maybe if we're talking about grading this, all the little extra credit things here, I think that worked in the Cats' favor, too. I mean, I think not only did they go 12-2 and two and win the Big Sky Championship and their only FCS loss was to the national champion, I think it's clear from last season that they got the big off-season decision, right, with Sean Chambers coming in. Uh, they were able to withstand the loss of Tommy Malott during the middle of the season and keep it rolling. They won close games, but also they blew out most of the teams that they were supposed to blow out. They had a little lapse on the road at Northern Arizona. But other than that, they blew out the teams that they were supposed to blow out. They blew out Montana. They did that after they had college game day in town, I just think that even the little things went right for Montana State last year, and that's a real testament in a lot of ways, I think, to Brent Vegan. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any Town Pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items and get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. Town Pump. Right down the road. Pump it up. Oh, yeah. 
Big Sky Breakdown, SkyandSportsMT.com. Appreciate Town Pump for keeping us fueled up throughout the entire football and basketball season. No matter where you're at in, ta- in Montana, there's a Town Pump near you. Get fueled up with the gasoline. You can also get fueled up with the snacks. They got a great deli section with sandwiches. Any and everything you want in terms of beverages, beer, wine, soft drinks, all of the above. Sign up for Town Pump Rewards. Get free stuff from Town Pump. Appreciate Town Pump for their continued support of us here uh, at Skyline Sports. I mean, to put it in perspective, Montana State has won 17 Big Sky titles and 22 conference titles in their football history. They've won three national championships. Last year tied the school record for wins in a single season. They have won 12 games. Uh, four times in uh, 1976, 1984. No, excuse me, three times. 1976, 1984, and last season. So uh, th- th- that's an amazing run uh, for MSU uh, to be certain. Uh, I know you're right, four times, because I guess I'm just looking at their Big Sky title record here. Um, they also won 12 games in uh, 2021. They just didn't win the Big Sky championship that year, but they won 12 games as they went to uh, the FCS um national championship yeah and i think that like i mean the south dakota state loss was tough in the moment but it obviously looks better after south dakota state goes and and runs north dakota state off the field the week after i think what was so impressive to me about that montana state season was just there were a lot of moments when things could have gone wrong for them, right? You lose by 40 to Oregon State to close your non-conference schedule in a game in which they, they really weren't all that competitive. Well, next week you're at Eastern Washington. You're on the red turf. Tommy Malott gets hurt pretty badly and brutally hurt halfway through that game. you got to bring in Sean Chambers. They still end up winning it, and they had to squeak it out, but they still end up winning it 38-35. I mean, you're coming into the final game of the regular season against Montana. You have college game day there that morning. The Grizz picked up some momentum the last two weeks of the season before that game. I think that's sort of a tough spot for Montana State. There are a lot of ways that that thing could have gone wrong. Is the moment going to be too big for them? Is the, the celebrity and the attention and the spotlight going to be too big for them? Is... You know, Montana going to be able to pick up the momentum that they were building and come into Bozeman and beat them? And no, it was pretty. I, I just think they responded really well in what could have been a really tough situation there to not only beat, to, but to blow out Montana. And then, you know, you get a really tough draw. You get a bye in the FCS playoffs, but you get a really tough draw because you get Weber State, who played you really close in Bozeman in the regular season. You win that game. You you beat, you go on and you destroy William and Mary in the quarterfinals. I just think that every test that they had, they responded really well to it, and there were a lot of things that, that could have gone wrong and, and didn't, and that's a credit to Montana State. There's a lot of things that make Montana great, from the mountains and lakes to some of the finest towns in the West. But what really makes this place special is you. Our communities are full of people who are working hard to build good lives and remarkable things. At Opportunity Bank, our passion is helping folks do just that. Together, we can make a good thing even better. Opportunity Bank of Montana. Stop by and see us or visit us online. Member FDIC. Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. Thanks to Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. 
how about the run, though, that Brent Vegan has been on? He obviously inherited a program that was rolling, like absolutely rolling, because of the empowerment of their president and their stellar athletic director, Leon Costello, and on down the line. But to go 24-4 and in two years, tie the school record for single-season wins in consecutive seasons, and your four losses are at Wyoming, your former employer, that's an FBS, at Oregon State, who was a nine-win team last year and went to a bowl game. So two FBS losses. So you only have two FCS losses. One of them is your first trip ever to Missoula. How many people have lost their first trip ever to Missoula? Almost all of them. And then <laughs> you have South Dakota State as well in the playoffs. Well, and NDSU, right? NDSU. Oh, and then NDSU in the in the national championship, right? So, so one FCS loss that's not to that year's national champion. That's right. You lost in the final four to the national champion and in the national championship to the national championship. So you're you're right. Five losses. Um, we we frequently talk about oh coaches that win the games they're supposed to win and don't win the games they're not supposed to win. Brett Vegan has made it so that he's supposed to win every game. The only thing that's eluded him is the biggest game so far, but that it's still twenty four and five with those five losses is uh, it's a, it's, a, it's an incredible start to the Brent Vegan era at Montana State. Well, and even teams that are supposed to win most or almost all of those games often end up managing to not win a lot of those games. That's what's been most impressive to me about Brent Vegan, right? He just, the team finds a way to win, and it was driven home for me in the, the Weber State game in the regular season, right? When it's a huge downpour and, you know, Weber State's long snapper is melting down, they were handed a lot of advantages in that game. And obviously Jay Hill in that game was handed a, a really unorthodox challenge to try to work through. But I thought that Brent Vegan really did such a, a better job adapting to the unique challenges of that specific game, that specific day, and putting together the plan that would give Montana State the best chance to win in that game, regardless of, of what it looked like or what it meant for the rest of their season. And that's sort of, I mean, that's been the through line of what he's done at Montana State, right? Like, with the Sean Chambers move in the offseason, bringing in a guy who's been a starting quarterback at an FBS school. You know, a lot of coaches in the league have done that. Not all of them had the freshman of the year, the freshman sensation, Tommy Mallott, already at quarterback. But I think, you know, he he calculated that that would give him the best chance to win, regardless of the narrative, the potential downsides. Um... And I think he does that really well in games, too. And I think that's been a huge part of their success. Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. Thanks to Blackfoot Communications for all the support of all of the things that they help us accomplish. All their mentorship, all their companionship, all of their friendship. And uh, helping us grow Skyline Sports. They are the proud supporter of our Skyline Sports newsletter. You're receiving that a couple times a week if you're tuning in here. Uh, on Skyline Sports, they also are the proud presenting sponsor of this Big Sky Breakdown. Uh, if you want to find out how more more about how Blackfoot can help you and your small business, visit goblackfoot.com.
Well, everybody, Coulter Nuanas, Skyline Sports, coming to you from the ESPN MT studio here with a variety of folks from Blackfoot Communications. Now, we're here with Chris. He's one of the directors of public affairs over there at uh, Blackfoot Communications. How are you doing, man? Very well. Thanks so much uh, for having me. First, where are you from? I would tell people kind of your backstory. You're a Missoula guy, right? Yeah, I, I am a, a proud Hellgate Knight uh, graduate and graduated from, from UM, spent some, some years away from Missoula doing various things, uh, but like so many Missoulians, found uh, found a way back and have been here for the last three years, which is great. Well, I got to know you a little bit through a previous role you had with one of our other great supporters, but now you're uh, you're new at Blackfoot, though. Yes. So how's it been going over there at Blackfoot? Yeah, so I'm, I'm seven seven weeks in, in the job. <laughs> nice. Uh, you know, prior to joining Blackfoot, I heard like so much about the, the reputation, the sort of culture, uh, and a little bit about what, uh, what Blackfoot does, and, and it's been a really great place. Just tell people about your role then. I mean, what what does the uh, public affairs people do at Blackfoot? Yeah, so I'm I'm the public affairs manager, and really what I spend my time doing is is building relationships and connecting with local leaders, whether that's leaders in government, in the business, and other community leaders, and helping them understand a little bit about what we're doing, whether that's a project or a program, and serve as, as kind of a, a liaison and, and resource to help answer questions and just be another point of contact. Let's talk about the Grizz overall grade, and then we'll come back to the nuances of, of our overall grades for these two uh, schools. The Grizz are the first team that I dug my teeth into covering the Big Sky Conference. They're the team that me as a young journalist learned about the Big Sky Conference about. And, you know, I had the, some would say good fortune, some would say circumstance, whatever you want to call it. But when I first started covering the Grizz, uh, it was at the height of an incredibly epic run. And and whether I was writing features for the Montana Cayman, features for the Missoulian, uh, you know, doing any any and every sort of story for, you know, whatever publication I was I was working for at the time. Wrote about pretty much nothing but winning. <laughs> the Grizz went thirty-one and one in Big Sky Conference play. So what I'm getting at is that when that sort of era came to a crashing halt when Robin Flugrad was fired after the 2011 season. That also happened to be the last season that my brother, Brooks Nuanez, co-founder of Skyline Sports, finished playing for the Grizz. Um, the Grizz have been fine, solid compared to most FCS programs, but nowhere close to the level that they were at. And sort of the hype and confidence around the Grizz program had struggled to to sort of refine its footing, no matter how much bravado they wanted to project or how much smack they wanted to talk. That it, it was they were they were having a hard time returning to the status of alpha dog of the Big Sky Conference and alpha dog of the Western part of the FCS. The first time that I thought the Grizz had an opportunity at least to recapture that swagger, to you know, as Bar- Bobby Howe could want you to believe believe or state to rtd to return to dominance i thought was heading into last season i thought the buzz around grizz football last summer was palpable uh we, we won't get into the weeds of the way that uh the the grizz especially the grizz football program sort of covertly uh promote their program but that, that was certainly happening and anybody that has any knowledge within the program anybody that's around the quarterback club guys or the scramble, the golf scrambles in Missoula or, you know, just living a life as a Missoulian and being around the sports world. 
everybody was talking about how the Grizz were going to be back. The Grizz were going to make a run. The Grizz had this schedule that was going to set up for them, and they were going to roll through the first six weeks of their schedule. Then they were going to go down to Sac State. They were going to play at Sac State with all these repercussions on the line, but it was going to be this revenge game, this revenge tour. And then all of a sudden, if they were going to win at Sac, then all of a sudden they're going to roll all the way. They're going to be 10-0 going into the Bobcat game. And it got completely and utterly derailed when Idaho came to Missoula and beat them. That sparked a three-game losing streak. We're certainly going to get into the nuances of all that, whether it's Lucas Johnson's injury, the quarterback, bad calls, bad momentum, whatever it might be. At the end of the day, the first time I thought Montana was a true, true national championship contender over the last 10 years was last season. There was nothing that was going to deter me from believing that to be true until they started stubbing their toe in the, of all places, Holt Arena against Idaho State, and then it completely unraveled on them. And, and so, I mean, I'm I'm giving last year's Grizz team a C-minus because I think that they had A-plus expectations, and I don't really think there's any other way to spin it. Like, I think that they fundamentally and completely systematically failed to meet any and all expectations given the talent and the momentum they had as a program coming into last year. I'm right there with you. That's exactly what I've got. I think... I- I think that that context is the exact reason why you're you're throwing the minus on to the C, right? Yeah. Because they beat the teams that they were supposed to beat, and once they lost to Idaho, and it was clear that they were sort of in that tier of teams in the Big Sky Conference, they lost to the teams that they were supposed to lose to, and that feels like a C to me, but when you're talking about the expectations that they had coming in, you're absolutely right. It's a C minus. Here, I, the way it fell apart was just so disheartening, and looking back on it now, several months removed from it, is is really disheartening. I think starting with that Idaho State game, which was their fifth game of the season because they played three non-conference games and then beat the tar out of Portland State in their conference opener. Starting with that Idaho State game. I don't think they exceeded the expectations. I don't think they lived up to the expectations in any single game, ironically, until we got to the North Dakota State game, which they lost by 23. And there's so much that could go into why they failed to meet expectations. Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. Presented a part... By the Hype House, appreciate Allie and her team for all the stuff that they have done to influence the Missoula community positively, not just my life. It's been a great addition to my life. The Hype House offers spin classes, which are incredibly challenging, incredibly efficient, certainly outside my comfort zone, but something that I enjoy doing because it's very challenging and get a great sweat, get a great natural high. And uh, you roll back into work, and all of a sudden you're feeling reinvigorated. I, I think that really helps with my ability to perform every day on our ESPN radio show. And I love the strength classes that they've added as well. Uh, it's it's all functionally strength based. You're going to sweat your your absolute butt off in there as well. But also it's it, you know high level of fat burn, high level of cardio, high level of functional strength training, and. Uh, I just appreciate them for for partnering with us and and giving me an outlet and giving me a challenge and giving me something to to stretch my comfort zone. So thanks to Hype House there on Tool Avenue uh, in Missoula. We're going to stay on the Grizz here for just a minute. 
to you, Andrew, what was the the number one thing that held the Grizz back last year? Man, there are a lot of different answers to that question. <laughs> and I think that I think that people who care about Grizz football can certainly fully argue that circumstance is one of those. Sure. With the injuries. With the, I mean, that's a brutal stretch of the schedule in the middle of the season. It's just a lot of things went wrong. I mean, a lot of things went wrong individually in each of those games between injuries and, as you alluded to, controversial calls at the wrong time and just pure misfortune. And that's certainly an argument. For me, what was most shocking and what stood out the most was just... And this is so cliche. Just the lack of the lack of killer instinct, but what I really think that comes down to is the lack of knowing what you are at the end of those close games. The lack of having something that you can rely on and fall back on in times of crisis and not even close games, right? The end of a late and close game against Idaho and against Sacramento State and against Weber State is certainly a time of crisis. So is the second quarter against Montana State when you're getting run off the field. And they had nothing they could fall back on that they truly believed in in those times. And that's a little, I fully understand that that's a, a really vague thing to say. It's difficult to point to something in particular, but that was my overwhelming feel of that team. And it was so funny that they could get it back at times, right? Like in the second half of the the playoff game against Southeast Missouri State, they suddenly found what they believed in again, which was the special teams, the defense creating the big plays momentum, right? But they couldn't tap into that all the time. They they just didn't have anything that they could hang their hat on in those moments of crisis, and that's what stood out the most to me. How much do you think false bravado gets in the way of the progress of this team? Because the the narrative coming into the season was that they have a weak schedule, and the the narrative coming out of the season was, oh, we had to play f- four top five teams in the span of five or six weeks, right? Like, lack of respect for your opponent, I think, is the one of the striking parts about this to me. One of the hugest reasons they lost to Idaho is because they didn't respect the Vandals coming in here, right? Like, they told everybody that, well, Sac State's not as good, and Weber State's going to be down, and, oh, Idaho, whatever, we're going to roll over them. Then all of a sudden you lose to all three. That, that, to me, that's unacceptable, and I think that part of it is you've got to respect the opponent. And I, I'm not throwing any of this on the players. This, this has all to do with the, the operation of the, of the program from a coaching staff and administrative perspective. Yeah, and in another way, that's just another victim of circumstance, right? right? Because I think the biggest thing that happened is they didn't get challenged in the first five games of the season, and then you have to play Idaho. And I think that was a really bad thing for them. We talked about last season about them just building up the momentum with those easy games. But the truth is that I'm looking at it right now. Northwestern State, home against South Dakota, Indiana State, Portland State, Idaho State, and I know that was a close game, but that was a a terrible Idaho State team last year. You didn't get challenged in any of those five games, and so that's the conditions that allows the false bravado to build up because when you're winning all of those games by 40 points and you look unstoppable and you're scoring a defensive or special teams touchdown a game in the first five games of the season, 
it's difficult to believe in anything else. But the truth is that they just they didn't get challenged. My pushback on that would be they beat Northwestern, say what, 47 and nothing? And they looked average. The 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 South Dakota State, they looked great on defense, but they looked below oh, at South Dakota. South Dakota, excuse me, they looked below average on offense. Uh, I thought their single best single game complete performance of the year was against Indiana State. But also if you listen to the post game interview, which I did with Bobby Hout coming to you from Terra Hout, Indiana with Bradley Corcoran. He was bloviating and gushing like he, he like he doesn't do. To me, that was an alarm. And I, I don't know, I, I guess there was multiple red flags, so to speak, throughout the the lead up to then what was the the fall from grace. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. It's such a difficult situation to be in, though, right? And maybe that was the strength of Bobby Houck, you know, previously, that he was able to see through what was what was happening on the scoreboard and look at what was happening on the field and just sort of have that paranoid football coach mindset of this is still just not good enough, right? Yeah. But after that Indiana State game or after that PSU game, I think more specifically, they were number two in the country, right? They were they had been picked to win the Big Sky Conference by both the coaches and the media in the preseason, right? It's just hard to have another viewpoint on where you are when everybody is telling you that you are great and also you're blowing everybody out by 40. And you're just Montana. I mean, that, that, that's that, a huge part you're Montana, and you're Montana that's coached by Bobby Elk. Like they have, they have to navigate the... The ghost of Christmas past. We talk about this on Nuanas Now all the time, and we talk about it here on the Big Sky Breakdown. Uh, all the times. Do you want your sports news, commentary, and features from a corporate publication? Would you like to hear it from local experts who have lived in your community their entire lives? At Skyline Sports, Coulter and Brooks Nuanas bring more than two decades of experience to give you old school journalism with a new age presentation at SkylineSportsMT.com. The Nuanas brothers provide knowledge from a family who lives Big Sky Conference athletics every day. For $8 a month or 90 bucks a year, get access to comprehensive college grizz and bobcat coverage at SkylineSportsMT.com. Sky Skyline Sports, every day, every season. SkylineSportsMT.com, Coulter, Nuanas, Andrew Houghton coming to you late night. It's officially dark. It's 11, uh, 10.54 as we uh, record this right now, so almost 11 o'clock, and it finally just got fully dark on our back deck, uh, so pretty cool. Love Montana uh, in the summer. Um, I want to go back to the Cats for a minute. I know there's so many people listening that, that love, hate us for – are parallels and dichotomies between the programs. But I think what you're saying is so important. When it was spiraling out of control for the Grizz last year, they didn't have this one thing they could go to to be a stopgap. Now, to be fair, it hasn't spiraled out of control on Brent Vegan yet. When that happens, what does he do? But when things are going bad within a game, the Cats know exactly what they're going to do. They're going to line up and they're going to run it right down your throat. That's what they're going to do. And so I think that that is a very interesting. It's not just about Cats and Grizz. It's not just about this rivalry. I think it's a, a very important thing in, in college football. You get what you emphasize and you got to have a, an identity as a program. The Grizz, 
at their best the last couple years, under Bobby Houck, have been a defensive special teams program. They delineate from that sometimes, though, and that's confusing. Montana State, there's no question what they're all about. They're going to run the ball right at you, right down your throat, and and it works about 85% of the time right now during the Brent Vegan era, and the only time it doesn't work is when you're playing at a Dakota school or an FBS program, basically. So, uh, I, I mean, I think that that's one of the fundamental differences right now. But it's not just about the Cats and the Grizz against each other. It's an essential part of of college sports at this exact moment. You have to have an identity. I think that's what the Grizz need to figure out a way to hone in and, and reattain. Yeah, and it's not so much about dialing in on that identity. To me, a lot of it is about, like, what that identity is. Define it. The Grizz have a big play identity. And a lot of that comes from their defensive special teams. Right. But what it's about at its core is big plays. And Montana State has a, a grinded out, such a cliche again. But, like, we're going to gain six yards on every carry identity. Right. And those are so different. And I'm not here to, like, make absolute statements about, like, which philosophy is better. But the thing is, is that with the... When you're when you have that big play identity, the Grizz do that better than almost anybody else. But you're still hoping for a twenty or twenty five percent chance, right? That you can get the pump block right, or that the opposing quarterback's going to throw a slightly ill advised out route against Justin Ford, right? The Cats, their identity is just being a little bit better on every play, and the you know. The Grizz coaches and players talk about that as well. But really, when it comes down to it on the field, the Grizz philosophy is being twice as good as you on five plays a game that end in like complete momentum switching touchdowns. The Montana State philosophy is being 5% better than you on every single play. And so there's no way to take that away. The irony is that the Cats are actually the ones with the biggest gunslinging offensive coordinator among, I mean, Taylor Housewright's one of the bigger risk takers in the league. That's the other part is you're right. The Cats are trying to be 3 to 5% better than you on every play, but then they also lull you to sleep and hit you with these unorthodox plays, and so much of that's because of their speed on the perimeter, and, and half the time, if not more, it's not deep shots down the field or a pump block or a kicker turn. It's a it's an end around. It's a, you know, fly sweep, whatever it might be. And that's why the, the cats end up at an A, right? That's another just sort of extra credit thing for the cats because even as they're, even if, as I'm defining them as sort of this 5% better grinded out team, they still had multiple special teams returns for touchdowns last year. I mean, between Marky Johnson and, and Taco Deller, I mean, they were able to do both. The Grizz were not. Well, and that's the thing, too, is, like, because, again, the cliche, the low-hanging fruit is the three yards, the five yards, the six yards, whatever you call it, in a cloud of dust. But that's not what the Cats actually do. The Cats are 6.5 yards in a crease of speed. And then when when you get your 6.5 yards and then you get your second foot in the ground, all of a sudden it turns into the 18-yard gash. And then when you get your third foot in the ground, all of a sudden it turns into a 77-yard touchdown, and that, that's where they get you. The reason the Cats – well, there's a lot of reasons the Cats lost in Brookings, South Dakota, at South Dakota State. 
But that the, the field conditions, which have been much talked about, much bemoaned about by the fan bases and the observers and everybody involved, the poor plowing that led to the poor footing impacted the Cats more because they couldn't stretch the edge offensively. It wasn't about their big old hog mollies up front being able to dig in and drive you off the ball. It was that the Cats' whole offense is based on creases. And when you can't hit the crease or your cutback is thwarted because of lack of footing, uh, that that's where it gets awkward. And and so the Cats do, they, they try to be, like you said, 5% better than you on every play, but they also can gash you at a high degree, especially when they get your head spinning with all the smoke and mirrors and the pre-snap stuff that they do in their, you know, spread option offense, uh, offensive scheme. So uh, the other thing I think is interesting, though, is because what you just said about the Grizz, what their ideal identity is, is a big play team. We talked about this on Nuanas Now the other day, and I thought it was a good conversation, but I want to rehash it. Junior Bergen is a, a preseason All-American as a punt returner, and that's justifiably so. He, he was an absolute big play threat uh, all year long. But like we talked about on Nuanas Now, and you can definitely find that episode on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. So much of Junior Bergen and all the other returners that Bobby Houck has had so much success with during his career comes from his ability to, uh, Bobby Houck's ability to, to scheme stuff up that's incredibly aggressive in the special teams game. And I just find it super fascinating that Houck himself and the Grizz program at this exact moment have been so willing and successful to be uber, ultra aggressive special teams wise and not uber ultra-aggressive in terms of isolating playmakers on offense. So there's certainly a dichotomy there. What you said is exactly right. The Grizz want to swing the momentum of games with huge plays, but they seem to only want those huge plays to come on two out of the three facets of the game. They really struggle with manufacturing big plays, especially late in games offensively. Why do you think there's this dichotomy? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Nobody knows. There's, uh, I mean, I think you could do a, a real deep dive on Montana's offense from last season. I think people who are smarter than me about football could pinpoint things that they should have been doing better. I think, I think the easiest low-hanging fruit here is like it was a misdiagnosis of what they were and what their talent was on offense, and we've talked about this a lot. They had a lot of team speed last year. They had a lot of guys who were really devastating in space. And they didn't stretch the field horizontally as much as I would have liked to see them try to get those guys into space. And you saw glimpses of it. You saw flashes of it. Junior Bergen, Aaron Fonts, Malik Flowers. You saw it sometimes. I just think that, and again, this is like surface level X's and O's analysis, there was a lot more of that there. But, I, again, why? I don't know. I don't know why or why not. Happy anniversary to Blackfoot Communications as we celebrate five years of helping local entrepreneurs through the C2M Beta program. C2M Beta has helped launch exciting new businesses in many sectors, including virtual wellness solutions for hospitals, exercise options at airports, cattle monitoring solutions, and much more. Check it out at C2Mbeta.com and sign up today for the showcase event on July 11th in Bozeman or join virtually. 
Basically, I break down SkylineSportsMT.com. I, 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 I get so confused as to why sometimes, and this is not specifically talking about the Grizz or the Cats or anybody, sometimes college football teams, play callers, make it way more complicated than it should be. One thing I've appreciated about the Cats is that over the last couple of years is that it's been very clear that they are going to run the ball 65 to 75% of the time. They're going to do it in a variety of different ways, but they're going to run the ball. If and when they throw the ball, particularly when Tommy Mallott is the quarterback, they're going to throw the back shoulder fit. They're going to throw the ball down the field. I know it. You know it. Every coach in the league knows it. Every coach in the FCS knows it. Every coach in every program that they're going to play knows exactly what I just said. Yet, on the first series of every game that Brent Vegan has been the head coach and Taylor Housewright has been the offensive coordinator at Montana State, within the first three plays, what do they do? They throw. They run a play action, back shoulder fade down the field, I bet you they've completed it like three times in 30 games, but they throw it every time. And what does it do? It backs off. It's just a, it's a testament to the identity. It's just very mystifying to me that you could have athletes like Junior Bergen and Cole Grossman and Aaron Fonts and Keelan White and these guys that the Grizz have, and that you don't just – it's like our good buddy Martin Mordeway, one of our great NFL analysts and a longtime NFL coach, like he always says – it's called a 50-50 ball for a reason. You throw it to throw it. You only have half a chance of getting it. The other half of the reason you throw it is why you throw the 50-50 ball. You only intend to complete half of them. The Grizzlies got to throw the ball down the field more. Yeah, and it's an example really of just how knowing what you are makes things easier on the players as well. Because I think in a lot of ways it's difficult to be a receiver at Montana State. But I also think that they make your they make your job description very clear, right? You need to block on the outside. You need to do that on every play. But also you need to be beating guys up the sideline for 50-50 balls. When we throw it, you need to be beating your guy one-on-one, whether that's Willie Patterson doing it with speed or somebody like uh, Cleveland Thomas doing it by high-pointing the ball, right? With Montana, we never got identities for these players and while that was sort of confusing for us as analysts and I'm sure infuriating for people who were watching the game I think that adds a burden onto the players right like what is the main thing that you want a guy like Cole Grossman to do do you want him to be a guy who can stretch the field up the seam do you want him to be an inline blocking tight end you want him to be both obviously if he's great at both of those things that's great then again these guys are FCS college football players they're not four- and five-star recruits. Right. Play to their strengths. For sure. Give them clearly defined roles. Do you want Junior Bergen to be the guy who's stretching the perimeter of the field on jet sweeps and tunnel screens and all of that stuff? You do. Then why are you running him inside the tackles multiple times a game, right? Just give these guys an identity. Give them, give them something to focus on. Make it clear what their priorities are inside your offense and when they get on the field. And I just think Montana never did that. So the cliche is that the Cats don't throw the ball, right? 
It's hard to play receiver at Montana State. Well, Travis Johnson, Kevin Cassis, and Lance McCutcheon all went to the NFL over the last several years. But then, you know, Willie Patterson's a good parallel, right? Willie Patterson's a a, a, a plus call, you know, FCS, Big Sky Conference slot receiver. He played outside receiver last year, had a good year. You know, he's, he's a good FCS player. Willie Patterson caught uh, 100 balls for about 1,100 yards and 12 touchdowns over the last two years. He caught 41 balls for 575 yards and seven touchdowns last year. He was a, a third-team all-conference receiver. If you're a receiver on a team that's running for almost 300 yards a game and you can still have almost 600 yards receiving and you can still catch seven touchdowns, that means your team is putting you in a position to succeed. Junior Bergen, uh, over the last uh, couple years, Two seasons, Junior Bergen has 28 catches for 323 yards and two touchdowns. That's it's unacceptable. <laughs> I, it's disappointing to say the least. Yeah, I, I guess I just I just don't know. I, I feel like we're beating a dead horse at this point, but man. I just don't think there's a lot of – I mean, last last season alone, 17 catches for 214 yards and four touchdowns. It's 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 hard for me to understand how you can't just isolate Junior Brigham more. We talked about this a lot on the radio. I don't want to just hammer it ad nauseum, but I do think that there's a – there's a systematic change that needs to happen for Montana to get the the ball in their playmakers' hands, and and in our spring interviews, that that was a theme. Keelan White and Aaron Fonts both told us on the record they said, "Hey, you know the biggest difference is in Brent Pease as the play caller uh, ahead of Tim Rosenbaugh is that, <laughs> like Aaron Fonts said, we're run, we're gonna we're gonna run the plays we work on in practice and games. That remains to be seen. But he said that he said that on the record. I I wonder if he got in trouble. And as Keelan White said, we're gonna get the ball into our playmakers' hands. But I mean, again, we're not just trying to hammer on the Grizz. That is an essential part of what college football is. That's what the Cats have done such a good job of for the last two coaching staffs: is recruiting dynamic offensive players and having them be able to gash you even if you are playing a more defensive style, a more conservative style, it's not conservative because your ability to get the ball in the playmaker's hands, that's something the Grizz have to learn. Yeah, and it really starts with identifying those guys, and that was another big thing that really was frustrating about the Grizz last year, and a lot of that comes down to, again, the circumstance, right? The injuries. Xavier Harris was out for part of the year. Nick Osmo, Marcus Knight, these guys were in and out of the lineup, right? But just identify your guys and get them the ball until somebody else takes that away from you, right? There's, I mean, who Mitch Roberts was Montana's number one receiver last year. Yeah. That's true. But he had, he had 52 catches for 600 yards. They had, you know, Malik Flowers, Cole Grossman, Aaron Fonts, Keelan White, Junior Bergen, Ryan Simpson had double-digit catches, right? All of these guys were trying to get involved, and they didn't identify the one guy who they're like, we're going to get this guy the ball until you stop us from doing that, right? They were spreading it out. They didn't identify the mismatch. And that, you know, they're talking about it this year. That's great. 
I still think they really have to identify that guy this year. I mean, it was the same thing with with rushing, and I know, again, a lot of these guys had injuries, but who was the top running threat? Who was the top guy out of the backfield for the Grizz last year? At times it was Nick Osmo. At times I think it was Xavier Harris, even though he only had the fifth most carries on the team. At times it was Lucas Johnson, but they never really committed to the quarterback run game as an identity. Uh, And then, of course, Lucas Johnson got hurt. They just never really zeroed in on one of those guys. And whether it was a talent issue, whether they didn't have a guy who won one-on-one consistently enough to be that guy, or whether it was a, a schematic thing, whether it was something they were trying to do. But I think Montana State does a really good job of that because Montana State will say, I mean, we're going to start a running back and we're going to start Tommy Mallott and we're going to run the read option with those two guys until you stop that. And then we'll think about throwing the ball and then we'll think about getting guys involved on jet sweeps and stuff. You got to stop that first because we think those guys are going to win on a majority of plays. Montana just didn't have that with anybody on offense. Yeah, and again, it's another just dichotomy between these programs, though, because circumstance is a part of every college football program. If you're the Grizz, you can certainly say that part of your season was derailed by Lucas Johnson getting hurt. Well, who's a more important and more pivotal player to the identity of a team than Tommy Mallott? I mean, he smashed his head on the turf against Eastern Washington. While we're in the press box watching this, we're like, what is happening? Is this kid okay? Is he going to be able to come back? They still went undefeated in, in league play. You know, you talk about any and every injury you could possibly have. The Grizz have had sort of this built-in excuse for the, the injuries at running backs. Xavier Harris hasn't been able to stay healthy. Isaiah Childs hasn't been able to stay healthy. Nick Osmo hasn't been able to stay healthy. Whatever it might be. Well, guess what? Isaiah Fonse was out for the entire regular season last year. Kega Williams, who they brought in from San Diego State, Montana State did, he was out for the duration of the season. Day one, you're starting out with Lane Sumner and Jared White. Lane Sumner gets hurt. Jared White gets hurt. It doesn't matter. Garrett Kuhn is rushing for 100 yards in the game. Marquis Johnson, a converted wide receiver, is rushing for 100 yards in a game because you have an identity. That's what I keep harping back to. Yeah, that's, again, that's a testament and a credit to the Cats more than it is a demerit for no, Montana that they weren't able to do the same thing. With injury issues, because Montana had sort of not the same amount of depth, but Montana, I think, did a good job having depth, right? I mean, Marcus Knight was a returning All-American coming back from injury. Nick Osmo, Xavier Harris, Isaiah Childs, we've seen all of these guys have success, right? When all those guys are patchwork in and out of the lineup, it takes a, a lot to overcome that. And so that's, to Montana State's credit, to me, more than it is to, to Montana's demerit, but you're right, the identity has a lot to do with that. There's a lot of things that make Montana great, from the mountains and lakes to some of the finest towns in the West. But what really makes this place special is you. Our communities are full of people who are working hard to build good lives and remarkable things. At Opportunity Bank, our passion is helping folks do just that. Together, we can make a good thing even better. Opportunity Bank of Montana. Stop by and see us or visit us online. Member FDIC. Those receiving statistics you just cited are so reminiscent of of the old school Bobby Houck days. You living with me, working with us, 
you've gotten to know a lot about the Grizz receivers, particularly because of our good buddies, Ryan Bagley, Ty Palmer, guys that were a lot of my guys that were my good buddies in college, Mark Mariani. Those, those, that was like my crew in college. And so we were hanging out all the time. So we've gotten to know a lot about those guys. But that was sort of the story of that whole group, whether it was those guys that it's named or Mike Ferreter, who's another friend, you know, uh, Eric Allen, Craig Chambers, Brent Collier, like, you know, on down the line, there was so many receivers and they all shared the spotlight. The playmakers that the Grizz relied upon so much were the tailbacks, and Bobby Alk had such great fortune in his tailbacks of guys like Lex Hilliard from Kalispell and Chase Reynolds from Drummond, NFL caliber guys being from Montana. Then you splice Justin Green in there, and all of a sudden you got three NFL guys in that span that you had. You're right. The Grizz have a lot of talent at running back. Uh, they just haven't been able to fall back on that one player, and so much of that is based on circumstance. SkylineSportsMT.com, Big Sky Breakdown. Uh, anything else to add about the grades of these teams before we get out of here? No, I mean, I like that we I mean, we were dead on in agreement. Actually, when it comes down to it, like, you can go back and listen to the segment on Nuanas now. There was some disagreement. There was actually a lot of disagreement when it came to the other sports, but I think football, pretty easy to pinpoint. It's just good to go back over this stuff. I think the biggest takeaway for me, good to go back over this stuff when you have some distance and you can mix in not only what you saw with some remove from what you saw and look at the statistics and go back and think of, like you said, you know, your 30,000-foot view of the season and and really come back and, and examine it. And I, you know... I like that we ended up in the same place after that. I know as we sit here, uh, a little short of an hour into this, there's um, a lot of Bobcat fans that are listening to this that are reveling in the fact that Bobcats get an A and the Grizz get a C-. minus. There's a lot of Grizz fans that are seething at the fact that the Grizz get a C- minus and the Bobcats get an A. But you're right. Andrew says it's not the point. It's not the point, and it is the point at the same time. As we talked about on Nuanas Now earlier this week, the uh, Hero Sports poll is out. The Athlon poll is out. In the Hero Sports poll, for example, Idaho is ranked number five in the country preseason. The Grizz are ranked number 16. The Grizz actually had a, 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 an additional win over Idaho last year. The Grizz were 8-5. and five. Idaho was 7-5 seven and, seven and five by the time the season ended. Idaho won in Missoula, certainly. The Grizz won a playoff game. Idaho didn't. But Idaho was coming off of multiple straight losing seasons. Paul Petrino had been fired. And the Vandals were supposed to be middle of the league, and they made the playoffs. The Grizz were picked to win the league. They were coming off of back-to-back 10-win seasons. And they failed to meet expectations. That's where you're always going to be. When you're Montana, you're always going to have higher expectations than everybody else. And I think that's what you're getting at when you're saying that's not the point. We're grading this based on how did you live up to what you had and what you accomplished. And and that that's kind of what you're saying, right? Yeah, that and also this is backwards looking, right? This doesn't mean a thing for 2023, right? I mean, it, some parts of what we're talking about maybe do. Because we're talking about multiple year trends that could turn into the identity of your program. 
and it's it's important for those to be good trends instead of bad trends. But really, it doesn't. It's it's just a fun conversation to have. This doesn't mean that we think that Montana's going to be terrible this year. It doesn't mean that we think that the Cats are rolling to another conference title this year. It just means that we're going to have fun watching it. Well, and like we always say, we always have a really high bar when we analyze either of these programs because they have intrinsic advantages. I mean, there's hundreds of thousands of you right now listening to this podcast that's part of why it is you know that you got there's real fans there's seriously so many people out there that are listening to this right now that are engaged in this that spend and donate money to this that this means a lot to you it means a lot to us it we interact with you that this is real deal big time division one college football and it's such a huge part of the culture of montana and uh that's why we always continue to reemphasize the high expectations that exist uh, for us here at Skyline Sports. If you want to check out our letter grades for all the various sports across the uh, spectrum at Montana and Montana State, subscribe to the Nuanas Now podcast and then go find the May 17th episode. That was a Wednesday, a couple Wednesdays ago. And it's just called Hour 2, Grading the Grizz and the Bobcats. That's our ESPN roundtable for the week. And you can see how we graded out all the rest of the uh, teams for both the Cats and the Grizz. But appreciate you being here. Thanks so much for uh, riding along with us. Thanks to Andrew Houghton for his contributions here uh, on the Big Sky Breakdown. And thanks to Blackfoot Communications, Opportunity Bank, and Town Pump for being presenting sponsors uh, of this Big Sky Breakdown. Please... Keep it tuned here to the Big Sky Breakdown. Rate, review, subscribe, share with your friends. Let us know what you think. Let the people that you know that might like this know about it if they don't already know about it. That's the best way you could help us. It's the best way you could, uh, you know, support us from a, any form of uh, support, financially, emotionally, whatever. Tell your friends about this podcast if you think you might know somebody that might be interested in it. And share it on social media, all that sort of stuff. We appreciate our great sponsors. We appreciate you for listening. Uh, we're going to try to do base share breakdowns. I, you know, I don't know. Probably, I'd probably say three to four a month over the, the next couple months here during the summer months. So stay tuned. A lot of episodes upcoming. Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. Thanks so much for listening. Happy anniversary to Blackfoot Communications as we celebrate five years of helping local entrepreneurs through the C2M Beta program. C2M Beta has helped launch exciting new businesses in many sectors, including virtual wellness solutions for hospitals, exercise options at airports, cattle monitoring solutions, and much more. Check it out at C2MBeta.com and sign up today for the showcase event on July 11th in Bozeman or join virtually. 